Welcome to The Refuge, a CERC podcast to share our research with practitioners and communities. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today, I'll start with Annie Gutschfili, um, the program associate uh, Miriam Asefa Fund with the World Education Services. Uh, as a first-generation immigrant, Annie is dedicated to advancing equity and inclusion in our work with the World Education Services, WES. And then I have Craig Carter. Edwards. Analyst with Settlements and Integration Policy at Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, and the co-founder of uh, Welcome Home TO, a nonprofit aimed at facilitating social innovation and civic participation in newcomer settlements. And last but definitely not least, Teresa Jones, coordinator for programs and policy with the World Education um, Services, WES, where she supports the development of program and policy interventions to facilitate the labor market integration of immigrant communities. Thank you all for coming to The Refuge today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Super, super. What I'd love to talk today is about meaningful youth engagement over the course of this podcast we've talked with youth themselves and i'm wondering i'm gonna start with you annie uh when you're thinking of meaningful meaningful youth engagement what comes to mind so as a first generation immigrant and youth myself i'd like to consider myself youth (laughs) so i say that from my experiences and from everyone around me, I see that paid uh, opportunities are big, especially in this economy when we see a lot of coming uh, people coming from difficult backgrounds, um, students to be compensated for their time, work, effort, and commitment for the knowledge and for their expertise that they carry. Uh, unpaid placements are great, but if we can provide some paid internship opportunities for them to navigate their academic and professional experiences. Well, it would be great for them to have some type of traditional safety net mm. to provide for their families and provide for others um, around them and to have that voice heard more. Once you have that financial stability, you are more out of that shelter of survival, mm. but focusing more of sharing your voice to others and really speaking about your experiences to whom that they need the most. Mm. Um, And another thing that which kind of relates to this point also is work integrated learning models um, to really feel like a team member at a workplace Mm. and make people who are entry level be the real contributors, not just planners for happy hour, (laughs) but for them to be creating actual impact especially if they have lived experience for people who have the lived experience. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Theresa, do you want to add to that? Sure. I can definitely share. Um, Annie had mentioned the fact that, for example, like she's first generation immigrant. Um, I'm second gen. Uh, I personally don't have experience with migration. My parents migrated here. Um, I also was raised Christian. I currently am still Christian. And a lot of those elements of loving God, loving his creation, kindness, empathy, justice, service, that kind of 
tied into my interest and my personal experience as it relates to youth engagement. So um, at, I would say at a pretty young age, I was always very, very socially engaged, um, politically engaged in a way as well, and building that into working in um, Black student advocacy organizations, working with church groups, um, my interest in supporting different communities around which I lived and, and I was close to, this kind of encouraged um, my leadership and service in this area. And I think that that also kind of ties directly into youth engagement, where youth are enabled, they're empowered, they're equipped with the skills that they need to be leaders in their community, to be advocates, to be representatives, and to, um, as Annie was mentioning, uh, work in an environment where they're also involved and in a part of the team and wanting to make a change and be the change that they want to see. So ensuring that youth are able to do so, I think those are the keys. Mm, wow. Thanks. And and Craig, uh, you know, with running a nonprofit and also working with RCC, I'm curious, do you have more to add to that with your experience, uh, like how youth engagement can be meaningful? I, I love how it's not that I'm a youth myself. I <laughs> I feel young at heart. It's got to count for something. Uh, but yeah, echoing both Ani and Teresa, I think we're in an economy that things can be tough, but still too many young people with skills are being told they get experience, you know, uh, particularly if they are um, graphic designers or have a specialized skill like that. I it constantly hear, no, I'm not going to do something for free because I'm a paid professional. Treat me like one. No, you're a young person. We're going to give you experience. Like, no, don't milk the youth. You've got the money, spend it appropriately. And the other piece would be uh, not with us without us. And I mean, there many different groups across the country are having work done for them, not with them. And mm -hmm. I've projects I've worked on going back quite a ways, um, surveys about what youth want in a community. Do they want basketball and they want those sorts of things. Well, no, what they want are programs that help them build the business skills. So if you don't actually talk with the youth directly and make assumptions, you're not going to give them what they need to succeed and they're going to feel disenfranchised. So why and you're losing out on all those good, fresh ideas. So there should be no youth focused policy designed that does not have youth actively at the table. Mm. You'd actively like the table and that's things, but sometimes I've seen cases where youth are treated like a token in a group um, Theresa, do you have something to share about this and like how I guess that could be better handled? Right. So, just speaking about tokenism, I, I know I know this is a huge issue when it comes to working not only with youth but all um, individuals or organizations that have to do with a, a specific area or demographic of lived experience. I understand that tokenism is a very um, big issue and it's extremely prevalent. Um, one thing I think, actually, no, there's a couple of things that I'll say that would, that would work towards ensuring that engagement is meaningful instead of tokenistic is, as Craig was mentioning, it being more so about, um, like nothing about us without us and ensuring that people are engaged all the way through from the beginning brainstorming stages to the implementation that those who are most affected or are as close to the issue need to be consulted with. Um, I would also add that it's important. So in our, our, our work a little bit around West and building somewhat of a youth strategy around uh, youth workforce development as it relates to immigrant youth in particular, for example, um, it's been 
really much about centering lived experience and ensuring that um, youth are not, you know, offered a seat at the table. They're able to help set it and ensure that they are bringing the issues that are most pressing facing their community to the table. They're leading the discussions. They're driving the, the initiatives forward. And um, a, a point that Annie had raised earlier about compensating youth for their time and expertise, their contributions, I think this is what makes it more meaningful and ensuring that you know, their their skills, their contributions, their insights are valued and are applicable to whatever situation, whatever program, whatever policy we're hoping to design, ensuring that they are that they are compensated for their time and, and enabled to mm. continue to serve. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, nothing about us without us having feeling represented is something important. Um, Annie, do you want to add to that? Those are great points, Craig and Teresa, and I would like to echo that, yes, everything, like you said, um, and just to add on, basically sitting down, being co-creators, participating equally, walking the talk, you you cannot just say we want to bring youth and um, make decisions for them, you have to bring them, sit down with them, listen what they have to hear. If English is not their first language, translate, provide, help, guide, direct, find the potential and really explore the potential. What happened to picking up students from universities when you see the potential and being like, okay, I'm going to take you and you're going to work for me. No, now it's like all corporate and you have to go through all of these applications and processes and demanding paperwork. And what is your status? And can we work around your status? Is it legally easy for me to hire you? Oh, it's difficult. Never mind. I'm going to hire someone who's easy to work with. Well, that's not going to be successful in the long run. Um, if we want to have successful school to work transitions, effective communicators who are open about their status, about their immigration journeys, about how they got here, about their traumas, and how they want to contribute to this country. Um, so yes, again, hiring youth as consultants, compensating them, uh, being the decision makers, bouncing ideas off of youth reaching out to them, asking, what is your opinion on this? This is what we were thinking. Mm. And so I had a, a friend that ran, actually, she was a candidate for mayor. I think she came in fourth, uh, Chloe Marie Brown. And many years ago, she was on Toronto Youth Council. And she came with a brilliant pitch to have a summer program that would take youth leaders from communities and teach them a bit about consultation, facilitation, data management. And so what they would be able to do is organize their community and uh, there's this, I think, Section 33. It's a thing where you can change the height requirements for a building zoning laws. So if you're a business, you put a bit of coin into a park through the councillor, then you can get your extra floors. Now, if the community members were trained to go, great, we don't want a park. We want this community centre. Here's the data behind it. Here's the usage because we've already pulled. This is what you do with compensation. You can, there's so many... Easable, easy ways to give youth that kind of power. It just it requires the will. Mm. You know, we talked about nothing without us and, and having a voice at the table. Um, and thanks for giving that example because, as you know, I'm not saying I'm a youth, but I, I think as a youth, when you're being represented, you want to know that what you're saying actually has impact and it's not just going to be 
you know, you say one thing and they hear it, but something else is implemented. And I'm wondering, um, you know, sticking with you, Craig, what ways can we actually feel this co-creation coming together uh, where the youth have a say, but they actually have impact in the decisions that are being made? And I think, honestly, that the focus has to be less on the youth and more on the the senior policy folk or whoever's on the other side of the table, because it's 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 stigma. It's, you know, you're a young person, therefore your your words don't have value. I'm going to kind of tone out a little bit. So it's, I remember I was at a, a conference and it was all these big businesses and they were talking about modernizing things and equity and all sorts of stuff. And there was a man and a woman that were on the panel. The man was sort of leading it. The woman was uh, answering questions. At the end of it, he tapped her on the knees. You did a good job, dear. Like, why? She's a professional. Um, She runs her own international company. She doesn't need a pat on the knee from you. But that's sort of the old patriarchal attitude that's still there. So that's got to be broken. The people that are listening to youth have to say, okay, well, I'm not doing this just to fill my schedule. I got to pay attention because there's something valuable that's here for me. Mm. So what that training might look like, some sort of equity and diversity training with a youth lens, something like that. Because I've got a 15-year-old son um, who's brilliant. And, you know, he's not brilliant all the time, but neither is all the adults that I know. So being able to sit back and say, you know what? I am actually going to listen. And it might take a bit more time to get there because the words might not be there or the context might not be there. Or as Mm -hmm. Ani mentioned, you might need to have a translator. Patience is we need a bit of patience to get the best results. Mm, mm, so it's patience. taking the time to listen and understanding that listening is in your best interest. So that's mm. what we need to have on the leadership side to bring them towards the youth more than I think the other way around. Mm. Uh, wow, that's a shocking example. And it's scary that things like that still happen today, but education and um, forums and and podcasts like this hopefully will keep turning that tide um as a youth well (laughs) when i was younger i was the person that would have an idea but i might struggle to share it um i would either tell a friend or share with someone that would get that point across and i'm wondering there are some youth that have brilliant ideas but uh for what reason or the other struggle to get that point across. Um, Teresa, I'm thinking, are there ways we can encourage those voices that are not heard from the youths? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think this is something that every organization or every individual gets perfect. I think we're all still working towards it in ways to better support youth. I think even for okay, being a youth myself, like there are ways that, that, this can be done more effectively. And I think what's important is number one, exploring what are the challenges around engaging with these youth in particular? What is causing somewhat of the disconnect between um, like whatever program it is, whatever um, event that's going on and why the youth aren't as engaged or as involved as you would hope they would be, right? So just unpacking that a little bit, is there a, a barrier that's being faced that the youth are you know experiencing that makes them a little bit hesitant to want to participate is there a lack of trust is it a financial constraint is there an issue around like the awareness that 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 exists for the program like do they even know that this exists is there trauma that they're working through right and so i think ways to better do this is number one like going back to of course identifying the issue um and then doing work to address that so maybe it is building trust spending a little bit more time 
building connections with these youth, getting to know them better, getting to understand um, their day-to-day, what are some of the challenges that they're facing, whether it's school or in their home life. I think a lot of youth are, are juggling a lot of different uh, competing needs and priorities right now. And to have that that uh, listening ear, that support system that could be made available for them in a genuine way and not just because we want you to participate in our program. Um, but yeah, so building trust and connection, um, maybe it's amplifying um, some of the, the the knowledge around like the program that's happening or the event and just continuing to raise awareness. Um, this would also include like just scaling your reach or touch points. Um, for many youth, there are, um, they, they may hang out virtually on different um, fora than you might be typically like uh, akin to. So maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe it's um, going through like the school system and, and doing outreach in that way. Um, so just meeting people where they are um, making things more accessible, right? So diversifying your media, your outreach, um, maybe even looking into incentivizing participation. I know it's not like we don't love the idea of like, okay, like let me give out a gift card just so that I can get you to attend my event. But, you know, things that are valuable to you. So if they're in school at this time, maybe it's money towards supporting their education or uh, accessing textbooks or, or maybe like library card services. Um, for youth that are in rural centers or maybe a little bit farther out from where the event might be taking place, maybe it's supporting them in their travel and transportation. Um, if you want them to attend a conference, for example, and you're you're wanting them to be speakers or be involved with the event, it's you know paying for their their registration for the conference and supporting them in accommodation. Um, so all of these different things can contribute towards um, supporting youth to be more engaged. But I think it's definitely first identify what the problem is. Um, really quickly, I just want to touch on something that I would have addressed earlier, but I think it's also still relevant at this point, is around, um, like, centering lived experience. Um, for many youth, if they feel that, you know, th- there's always this, like, push and pull between, okay, like, lived experience is being a part of evidence versus, um, like, documented research and what we know to be true. But I think that when we look at lived experience as something that can enhance um, an evidence base instead of it having to be one or the other, I think that's where youth would feel most comfortable knowing that their experiences are applicable and valid and, and would help to to uh, like kind of validate whatever it is that we're looking to to research as well. Mm. Craig, do you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, um, just examples coming to my mind was democracy. So youth don't vote. Youth have traditionally not voted because they don't vote it's not much for parties to make an effort to go and reach out to youth to get them to vote. But all, every study shows that the reason youth don't vote is actually a kind of positive one. They don't want to make uninformed choices, but they don't have the resources or the time to start getting the information that they need to make those informed choices. When was the last time that a candidate went to a youth-oriented debate? Like if we were to make an effort at that level to be able to engage with youth, um, so yes bring them to conferences, but also go to where they're at and give them access to those oasis uh, so that they can ask their questions, be heard. Because I mean, again, it's we're not talking about a group of people that just quote unquote don't get it. Young people are people and they're developing skill sets. And the more exposure anybody gets, the more they're going to be able to provide. And also they're inheriting the mess that is currently being built. So if they're, how, how many kids are interested in environmental issues? Well, they can look down the road and they can see housing. Well, none of my friends that are in the 20s or 30s are ever going to be able to buy a house. That concerns them. So you get people that are going to be impacted 
not by today's problems, but but tomorrow's problems. Go in, listen to them, get their ideas, give them reason to be engaged. It's actually going to solve problems. But it's having that recognition, again, that I want to hear those voices. So it's like a chicken and egg thing. You you Mm -hmm. want the audience to come to you, but they can't until they have the information to get there. Mm. Yeah, Ani? These are all such great points. I love hearing them over and over again. And hopefully there is going to be something that happens to address these things. I just want to give featuring in terms of representation some of the uh, partners that we have worked with uh, here in Canada that uh, give that representation and community support to youth, uh, especially BIPOC youth. Uh, for example, an organization called Solid State, um, which helps BIPOC youth in Surrey region in, in British Columbia, and they help them set up cooperatives to create spaces to come together, overcome homelessness um, and financial issues, and to work together and build a community stronger way. Another organization called Ladlian, which um, celebrates and empowers uh, daughters, that's what it translates for, inspires South Asian girls and women of all ages to become empowered individuals through engagement, education, and awareness. I feel like such organizations, uh, a lot of them also focus on international students, and they really help create a community for people outside of their homes to feel represented, to feel heard, to help them guide employment practices that are very much um wrongful in a lot of ways to a lot of immigrants, international students, refugee youth, uh, and how to navigate all of those challenges. Um, So it's important for youth to have knowledge and access to various organizations that can help them uh, in ways that, um, for example, social, our like government-assisted social services cannot provide for. Um, Another work feature I want to mention is I was part of the West Summer Experience Internship Program. That's how I got it. Now I'm a full-time staff, but that's how I started. So another, like, um, I hope a motivator for you to get into internship programs because it could be a pathway for you to learn something better in the future. Uh, but what I want to highlight is we did this thing called Wisdom Chats, which were organized with senior leaders, uh, and they would do some sort of personal development presentation to help us in some aspect that we were struggling with. For example, it could be public speaking, presentations, but not just from a conference representative, your coworker that's a bit senior that can share, oh, when I was, you know, a bit younger, I used to have these problems with presentations and this is how you can overcome them. Um, So I think it's a better approach rather than just taking a LinkedIn path or something, you know, not too human centric, but let's just discuss among ourselves. You know, I I have a bit more experience in this role, so I can help you clarify this, you know, issues uh, that you might be having at the workforce, uh, navigating the diverse workforce. That's another thing, right? Not everybody that comes from different countries is, you know, used to working with various diverse people and they might have a lot of, um, difficulties exploring how to share their thoughts, especially if English is not your spe- not your first language again. Mm. So. I, I just say, I think that's that's brilliant. Because um, if you were to have, say, a lunch and learn, and every business could do that, then you get senior leaders 
And whether it is a newcomer or it's a young person or it's someone from a different sector that's moved their way through, whatever, you do those cycles of here's communications, here's how to do a good PowerPoint, here's you know how to hustle, whatever the case might be. There's the skills will be around the room. If not, it's not too hard to find someone that will come in. Um, I used to do that. Um, I was worked based at the Center for Social Innovation. So there were a lot of social innovators there. And we worked to come up with a program that would allow the business startups that were in that building to do lunch and learn and presentations for the community of Regent Park. Mm-hmm. So the presenters were able to practice their, their presentation skills. And then they're able to talk about setting up a business or um, best practices for gardening or whatever it was to community members that really needed to have those opportunities. So, I mean, it's, there's so many win-wins in, in a model like that. Wow. This has been such an engaging conversation. I've learned so much. Um, and, you know, about engaging their youths, giving them a floor to make impacts, meaningful impact, um, giving them a voice, nothing about us without us. And I was wondering um, if you would close out by sharing just one last point. Uh, I'll start with... Annie? Thank you for this space and opportunity. It's been great um, to have this opportunity to kind of discuss these things again with very important and impactful people uh, that we have as uh, presenters here today. And um, last takeaway is just don't give up, keep going, and there is always a way but we have to have voices and to have those voices, we need to feel involved, be part of community, support each other, be allies. I'll try to be the voice. Every one of us can be the voice, but we have to, we have to make it a task for all the senior leaders to also step up and be the voices for those who cannot be represented at the tables as of now, hopefully in the future. Uh, Craig? Um, It's up to us. Uh, I'm a big fan of advocacy. And I think the system doesn't change unless it is nudged to change. And um, that voice uh, for change is coming from youth. The more that youth don't wait and coordinate and come together with clear messaging and then go to those senior leaders and say, this is what we want. If you back us, we'll make you look good. Whether it's politicians, whether it's the head of a bank, whatever the case might be, right? Huge target market for whatever is out there. Get people together, craft those shared messages, and then don't wait. Raise your voices. Right. And I'll throw it. I'm, I'm always happy to talk advocacy with anybody who wants to, to pick up some tips and tricks. All right. Thanks, Craig. And, and Theresa, bring us home. <laughs> We'll do, we'll do. Thank you once again so much for having us on. I was, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think it was great. Um, I probably will just end with a few words that I think that are pretty salient and always like uh, holds me and always pushes me forward in this area. But I would say like the importance of community, the importance of advocacy, the importance of leadership, and the importance of um, just continuing to work together in, par- in partnership, I would say, is like the other word that, that comes to mind. But yeah, just continuing to co-design, co-create, and just inspire and lead effective change. Be the change. Wow. Thank you so much, Annie, Craig, and Teresa. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, coming to the refuge today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you.